Welcome to the Marriage on Fire podcast, the show for couples that shares research-based relationship insights, advice, and strategies for creating and sustaining a happy and fulfilling marriage, where we look at the stuff that truly makes the relationship and how to live a good life. And here's your host, husband and dad and relationship coach, Gideon Hanacom, creator of the popular New Zealand-based blog, TheRelationshipGuy.com. What's up, everybody? This is Gideon, and welcome back to episode number nine. So I have a quick question for you. If you're in a struggling relationship right now and things aren't all that great with your partner, have you ever considered jumping ship, hooking up with someone else, or even perhaps started believing that should you be with someone else, things would be different? Well, if that's the case, I would sort of encourage you to just hold that thought for a minute and just hear me out. Because I read a very interesting study recently where they followed 554 people for a number of years. And these people were in one relationship. And then after after a number of years, they would leave, they left that relationship and then entered a new relationship. And what researchers found was that these people tend to repeat patterns, sort of bad patterns that they had in the first relationship in the second relationship. The reason for that was that the researchers found people did that is because people essentially remained the same. So once the initial settling phases of the relationship, the new relationship sort of worn off, once the novelty were gone, people tend to start to repeat the, the, the old patterns. You know, the old you or the, the old person would come back and they would repeat patterns that they showed in the first relationship, ultimately with very similar consequences and results in this new relationship. It is always a tempting idea when things aren't going according to plan and things aren't feeling very great in your current relationship. It's always a tempting idea to think that, just being with someone else might change everything. Now, that might be true initially. And for some people, it might be a case that you're just with the wrong person. But I would say that is kind of few and far between. You know, that's in the sort of exceptions, uh, sort of an exception to the rule. But what I have noticed is that sometimes people have this idea that things would just simply become better, you know, just magically uh, fix itself and just be better when they're with somebody else. The reality is that initially that might be true, but once the initial settling phases and once the initial phases, the newness and all that stuff kind of wears, you know, wears off, then what happens is that the old you starts picking its head out, the old you starts showing up again, and chances are, as research has now shown us, the old you will start turning up again with old patterns, old habits and behaviors that will ultimately sort of create ripple effects in your new relationship with this new individual, new person as well. Uh, with very similar consequences. So with this being the case, a much more important, a much more interesting question that we need to ask ourselves is, well, if that is the case, if it's not just a matter of jumping ship to change things, the bigger question becomes is, what can we do to ultimately change our relationships? If people do repeat bad patterns, what is then kind of the, the the challenge on the table? What is what is sort of the thing that we need to do if we want to change our relationships? Well, I don't think it's a matter of just jumping ship. I think it's more a matter of personal development. I think it's more a matter of changing ourselves because when we change as individuals, the people around us cannot respond to the new us the same way they did to the old us. I want you to think about that for a moment. Chances are that if you're in a relationship right now where your partner has gotten used to you being a certain way, acting a certain way, speaking a certain way, just you know being around you and, and you're just a certain type of person, chances are that over time they have learned how to deal with you. They've learned how to respond to you. Now, what were to happen if you were to change yourself, if you suddenly started doing new things, different things, if you started reacting or not responding or you started becoming very positive 
uh, compared to being, you know, uh, very negative. Maybe you were a negative person before. What, what, what would to happen if you just started sort of acting out of character, just being completely the opposite of what you're now, um, hopefully in a positive way? Your partner initially would kind of have a shock and they would probably not know what to do with you. They'd probably think that you're up to something. But if you were to persist with this kind of new persona, this kind of improved version of yourself, chances are that at some point they're going to have to adjust their behavior, their reaction, their response to you accordingly. People cannot respond to the new you the same way that they did to the old you. They might try initially, but over time, the new you will trigger different responses in the people around you. So ultimately, if we are to, or if we want to change our relationships, this, it's not just a matter of jumping ship, hoping that things will magically fix itself and suddenly we'd, everything would be rainbow and, rainbows and unicorns, because the reality is unless you change, unless you make some personal changes in, you know, within your mindset, your attitude, your behaviors, your habits, all those other things, unless you make some changes, nothing is really going to change. The only thing that's going to change, the only thing that's going to be different might be the newness of a new situation or a new person, new relationship. But once that's gone, the old you will just reappear and you'll just repeat, you know, the same stuff that you did before with probably very similar consequences. So a much more important question for us now becomes as well, how can we actually improve ourselves? If it is a case that it is really us, our kind of presence and what we do that contributes massively and hugely to our current results, and we can't just rely on constantly changing the environment to fix things because, you know, with us, without us changing, how can we then as individuals change to actually have a, you know, improve our situation or at least have a chance of improving our situation? Well, I want to I wanna give you sort of a couple of ideas. If, if you look at at success, you know, people who are successful, people who have great, you know, great, great results in, in different areas of their life, there are patterns that we can study. There are patterns that are very evident when it comes to successful people. And it doesn't matter whether we're talking about somebody who's financially successful, a great stay-at-home mum, a great stay-at-home dad, whether it's a successful business person, whether it's a successful sports person, a successful author, or it doesn't really matter what we're talking about. When we look at people who achieve very good results in their lives, they have certain patterns. There are certain sort of um, clues that we can follow, we can identify and we can follow. If I, I truly believe that if we are to create a very you know, good relationship and a successful relationship, quote unquote, then we kind of need to start adopting some of these patterns in our relationships as well. Some of these patterns that are very powerful and applicable in other areas might become very uh, helpful in, in the area or the context of marriage as well. So I want to give you a couple of patterns of success that we notice with successful people and kind of translate it or interpret it, translate it and then interpret it in the context of a marriage and see where it takes us. So if you're up for that, um, I'm going to sort of go through my list here and I'm not going to do a very big sort of deep dive on all of these, but I do going to get, want to give you these principles and maybe you want to write them down and, uh, and then ask yourself how you can actually use these principles, these patterns to improve yourself to ultimately improve your relationship. Again, I want to say that nothing is a quick fix. If you've created certain results or certain kind of negative results over time, then obviously it might, it might take a little bit of time to kind of turn things around. I do think that change can happen instantly, meaning that you can make changes instantly, but the consequences of you making changes uh, and the ripple effect of that might take you know a wee while. So here's a couple of patterns that we notice with successful people. I think if we apply these in your in your marriage and your love life as well, you might actually get some some similar and good results. So the first one is that success. The first pattern we notice with success is that success begins with a vision and the belief that that vision can be accomplished. 
I think that when you look at people who are successful, they all kind of share the same thing, is that usually they have a vision, they have an idea of what they want to create, what they want to achieve, and then they have a, a very strong belief that that thing can be achieved. Just take Elon Musk as an example from Tesla. You know, this guy has a, you know, grand visions and kind of goals and stuff that he want to achieve, but he also has the belief behind all those visions that it can be achieved, it is achievable. When you only have vision but you don't have belief that backs it up, then ultimately you're not going to follow through with the motivation and the behaviors and the actions that will actually move you towards that vision. When it comes to the context of marriage, I think it is a very good principle and a great pattern to also introduce into our love life. We need to start adopting a new vision of what our marriage could be and then actually believe that it's possible. I think that's the first pattern that we can definitely benefit from. I work with a lot of couples and after a time, you know, when they're in a place where they're just stuck in a rut and where they're just struggling and they're not feeling good about being in a relationship, they have lost a new fresh vision. They don't have a, a vision for, you know, their marriage. They don't have kind of an idea of what it could be. And, uh, and they definitely lack the belief that it could be that, especially when things are going south all the time. It doesn't feel good being in that relationship at that time and, and place. So it's really a matter of starting with creating a new vision and believing that that thing can be achieved. So ask yourself, what is a grander, what is a better and a, and a sort of a bigger vision that you can have for your marriage at this time? And what needs to happen for you to believe that that is actually possible? That might be a pattern that you need to introduce into your relationship. That might be something that you can change you know, without having to wait for your partner to come to the party. The second pattern we observe with successful people is that success requires prioritization, meaning that, you know, people who ultimately achieve things, they, they prioritize uh, the very behaviors and the actions that it, that's required to actually achieve the outcome that they want. Again, working with many couples, uh, you know, when they struggle, a lot of couples actually don't prioritize the time they, you know, time with their partner. They, the time with their partner and and putting, you know, making any sort of worthwhile investment in their relationship is kind of put on the back burner. It's kind of it, it plays sickle, you know, second fiddle. It's kind of something that's that's on the side. Everything else gets, you know, prioritized. Everything else is important. Um, but as some clients have said, you know, it feels like I'm just part of the to do list. Um, but everything else comes first. When we look at successful people, is one of the patterns they all have is they prioritize the very thing that they're trying to achieve. If you want to have a better marriage, you've got to prioritize it. It's got to be number one. It's got to be the thing that you focus on most of the time. It's got to be the thing that you actually work on most of the time. It can't be something that comes, you know, it's way down on the list and, and hoping that it'll just magically fix itself or magically be okay because it won't. We don't see that pattern in any other area of life where people are successful. I doubt that we'll see it in relationships. The third pattern we observe with people who are successful is that successful people anticipate self-sabotage. What that means is that people who are successful, they know that even though they can't predict their behavior 100%, they know themselves very well. I think Gary Vaynerchuk always talks about self-awareness. Successful people know themselves. They know what their strengths are and they know what their weaknesses are. They know that when certain things happen or will happen or might happen, how they might respond and they are prepared for it. They anticipate it. They also anticipate that not everything always works out and so they have backup plans. They have, they're ready to respond to it when, you know, should that happen. When it comes to marriages, a lot of us as couples, we don't anticipate self-sabotage. We, we don't anticipate that things might actually not work out. It's almost like we, we, we kind of think of, you know, in very much in binary terms, you know, black and white, and it's either this or that. But everything is really gray if you think about it. I think it's a much better pattern to adopt to understand that we can try our best, we can do what we can do, 
Um, but ultimately, there's a lot of things, a lot of variables that's outside of our control, a lot of things that we don't control. For one, we don't control our partner's responses to us. We can do everything right, but our partner could be going through a tough thing that's within themselves, and they might not respond in the way that we anticipated. We need to be okay with that because that's just how life is. So I think it's very important to adopt a similar pattern in our marriages is to anticipate self-sabotage. Know that things don't always work out, but also know yourself. Know when you tend to sabotage the results. Know when you tend to, you know, know your areas of weakness and start working on those. Either increase your strengths and really focus on those or start sort of, um, you know, disempowering your weaknesses. Really work on your weaknesses and make them less uh, less impactful should they happen or should they show up. If you're somebody that struggles with patience, well, work on patience. If you're somebody that struggles with just being tolerant of of changing, you know, a changing situation, if things change and it really irritates you when that happens, just work on that. Work on your patience. Work on your irritability. You know, work on those things and anticipate that you're gonna you're gonna sabotage the situation if you don't. So that that is something that you can work on within yourself because you know that not everything is controllable, not everything is predictable. A fourth sort of pattern that we observe with successful people is that is the idea of delegation is key, meaning that successful people know that they can't do everything. They are not masters of everything. And they do what they can do and they kind of, you know, operate within their superpower, so to speak. But then when they need help, they get the help that's required. They reach out to people that they know are better than them, people who can support them, people who can help them. I think in the context of a marriage, this is something some of us, especially as young married couples, we need to adopt. This is a pattern we need to adopt for ourselves. You don't need to do everything by yourself. Even if you're in a situation where your family is overseas because perhaps you've immigrated or you live in a different town, your family is all you know in a different part of the country, you can still rely on your friends. Friends won't mind if you rely on them. Friends won't mind if you press on their button. Good friends won't anyway. And there's always people around us that we can rely on, good people that we can trust, good people we can press on, good people that we can ask to help us out. But we need to get rid of this idea that we need to be super people and we need to be able to do everything because sometimes we just need to ask someone for help. People don't mind when we ask them for help. Sometimes people are just waiting for us to ask them for help. But because our pride or our, you know, whatever gets in the way, we never do and so we suffer the consequences. Sometimes you just need to understand that successful people all understand this idea and they all have this pattern. They all ask for help when they, you know, when something is outside of their own field of expertise. We need to do the same thing, ask for help, whether it's your whanau, your family, whether it's uh, friends, whether it's people at church, whether it's somebody at, you know, at, at your work where, that you trust. Um, whether it is, you know, somebody really close to you, you you've got to, we've got to be a, become okay with asking for help. And I think that, in a sense, presupposes that we're okay with recognizing that we need help. I think sometimes we, we try and kind of keep up this very brave facade, you know, and this mask that we, we wear, and we don't want to um, acknowledge that we are struggling, because somehow that is frowned upon, somehow that is a weakness. I think that is a silly idea to, and a silly belief to kind of live with, and it's something that will really, you know, make us pay the, the price if we if we run with that belief. So, you know, understand that successful people delegate, become good with that, become okay with that, ask for help. A fifth pattern we observe with the successful people is that failure is a regular occurrence. This kind of goes back to the one that I talked about before, meaning that they anticipate self-sabotage. Again, successful people all know that failure is just part of the process. And in fact, there is no great sort of results without a sense of risk. Sometimes you need to take risks to get great rewards. 
So successful people are okay with taking risks. They're okay with um, with failure. They're okay with it because they understand that failure is just the opposite of success. You've got to have both. You can't just have one and not the other. And so they're okay with that. But when failures do happen, successful people won't just wallow in it or they won't just sort of you know go and sit on the ash ash heap in a sense. What they'll do is they'll actually see failure as simply as a result and they will examine each failure and they will learn what they can from it, extract the extract the wisdom and the lessons from it and actually be more prepared next time. Just imagine for a moment if you started doing that within your marriage. If you rather than see failures or arguments or whenever you didn't have a good day or you had a bad weekend, rather than seeing it as sort of a loss, seeing it as a failure, what were to happen if you actually for a minute, once that happened, just step outside of it and just observed it quite unbiasedly and, and, and without a sense of judgment and just extracted all the wisdom you could from it, learning, you know, learning from, from it that you can and turn those lessons into, into wisdom, into actions, into behaviors that you can then adopt to kind of prevent that same thing from happening next time, assuming and, and appreciating that, you know, uh, there's still a lot of variables that we don't control. But just imagine if you kind of took that approach, understanding that failure is just part of, it's a regular occurrence, it's part of life. So rather than fearing failure, you in a sense embrace failure because failure will give you insight and information that success sometimes cannot, and you can build on that. That is a great pattern we see with successful people, and I think as married couples, we will definitely benefit from adopting that pattern in our lives as well which kind of leads to the sixth pattern we observe with successful people, which is results are all tracked. Successful people measure everything. And because they measure everything, they can manage everything. But again, as couples, we tend to not really track anything. We, we kind of just hope that we'll have a good day, especially when we're in a rut as a, as a couple. We just hope that we'll have a good day. But what we learn from success, successful people and success in general is, is that results are tracked. So if I, I would highly suggest that if you're in a situation where things aren't going well, to become really obsessed with the results, really become curious about what, about one, your results, and secondly, how you're creating those results. Not from a place of judgment, not from a place of beating yourself up, not from a place of wanting to feel bad, but from a place of curiosity. You want to learn how are you doing the results that you're doing? How are you creating these results? so that you can again extract the wisdom and the lessons and kind of you know come up with strategies and actions and behaviors that you can start applying to create opposite results or the results that you want nothing will change until you change that is just i think that's a, a universal law so many of us want new results and new outcomes but we don't want to change anything in fact we don't even want to sort of appreciate and acknowledge truth we don't even want to look at our current situation and just acknowledge what is really going on because again somehow we feel ashamed somehow we feel somebody's going to judge us judge us or somehow we feel that we're we're falling short and therefore you know it makes us less less than less of people you know kind of less than less than good enough or, or whatever the case is but the reality is is that you know successful people are okay with it they're okay with failure they're okay with results not always being the great results that they want or wanted or, or sort of expected, but they track the results. They track it and therefore they can measure it and therefore they can manage it. They can use it to improve next time. Imagine if, again, if we adopted that pattern in our relationships versus just beating ourselves up or worse, beating our partners up for the results that we're getting. The seventh pattern that we recognize with successful people is the idea of commitment. I've talked about commitment in the past, so I'm not going to talk about this too much, but this kind of goes without saying, if you want to have a great outcome, you've got to be committed to the process. You've got to be committed to do what needs to be done. 
again, when it comes to the context of marriage, you have to be committed to the process. You have to be committed to your partner. You have to be committed uh, to that relationship to ultimately create the results that you want. You cannot, you know, have multiple commitments and, or worse, have sort of your commitments elsewhere, hoping that your relationship will just understand and your marriage will just, you know, fix itself and, and come right because that doesn't work. You need to be committed to your partner. Your partner needs to know it and you need to be committed to your relationship and your behaviors need to back that up. That's the only way you're going to create the results that you want. Uh, eighth pattern that we observe with successful people is perseverance. Not only do we need commitment for one or two days or one or two months, but we actually need perseverance. Successful people have an amazing ability to persevere. Even when things go south, even when things don't work out, they will always persevere. Why? Because they have a great vision and they believe that that vision can be obtained. I think that as married couples, we will definitely benefit from having the same pattern or adopting the same mindset within our within our, the context of marriage, within the context of our love lives. We need to have perseverance. There will be seasons, there will be times when your partner is going through difficult things. And it doesn't matter what you do, what you say, whatever plans you come up with, it's like you can't get them out of the hole that they're in. You can't get them sort of on a, on a you know, different path because they're going through whatever it is they're going through and they're working through certain things. All you can do is be there for them. All you can do is show love. All you can be, do is show kindness. You can you know, show patience and you can just support them. But you probably gonna have to show perseverance more than anything else because there might be seasons and times when things aren't fun, but you're not there just for fun. You're there because you love this person. And as I said at number seven, you're committed to this person and to this relationship. And so therefore you persevere. Without the pattern of perseverance, you're doomed to failure. You've got to be able to persevere because in the context of love, in the context of marriage, it's not always fun. There will be challenges, there will be failure, there will be setbacks. You have to be able to persevere. So if this is something that you struggle with, doesn't matter if you jump ship, we go look up with someone else. If you don't have this quality, if you don't have this pattern locked in, you will simply jump ship or keep jumping ship every time difficult things appear because this is a pattern that you've got to work on. This is a pattern that you've got to commit to. It doesn't just show up. Perseverance is a sense of grit. It's a sense of you know inner strength and resiliency that you're willing to do whatever it takes to create the result that you want. So perseverance, important pattern to have. Number nine is another pattern we see with successful people is sacrifice. Successful people are because they prioritize the very thing that they're trying to achieve, they're willing to sacrifice other things because they're they kind of focused. You know, they focus on this one thing that they're trying to achieve. So they're willing to let other things go and kind of not prioritize other things because, you know, and sacrifice other things because they're trying to achieve this great result in this one area. If you want to have a great marriage, sometimes what is required is for you to sacrifice certain things and for you to focus on your marriage, focus on your partner, focus on your spouse, focus on your family, to do what needs to be done in order for you to get this sort of, you know, the thing back on track, to get this relationship where it needs to go. Unfortunately, guys, we cannot just have the hope strategy where we hope that things will just come right by itself and, and sort of rely on time that time will fix and heal all things because that's typically not how it works. Ultimately, sometimes we need to prioritize our relationship and, and that would mean that we're going to have to sacrifice certain other things, maybe for it for the time being, maybe for a period, maybe for a season, maybe forever, so that our relationship can ultimately become the type of relationship that we actually want to have. So sacrifice is a huge, important pattern that we see with successful people. But again, a lot of us as married couples, we're not prepared to sacrifice. 
We're not prepared to give certain things up because we're still too much in love with ourselves at the expense of our partners. Number 10, uh, second to last one is that successful people take calculated risks. I, I said this earlier because they understand that great rewards require dealing with some level of risk. Sometimes in the context of marriage, we need to take some risks. Sometimes we need to do certain things that we know are good, um, but because it's so sort of unnatural to us or perhaps out of character, we might not know how our partner or spouses are going to respond to this, but we know that there is the potential for our partners to love this, for our partners to respond very favorably. So you've got to take the risk. You've got to take a calculated risk. You know, sometimes you need to step out of, out of your comfort zone and do something that's not sort of natural to you or it's out of character because you know it's something that your partner wants. It's something that your partner will appreciate potentially. But again, sometimes we might not get the response that we want. Sometimes our partner will respond, you know, not in the way that we expected. They'll respond perhaps even not favorably. Um, and we need to be okay with that because we're okay with failure. We're okay with knowing that these things happen, but we're doing it because we know that without taking any form of risk, there is no chance of a great reward. Risk and reward go together. It's a pattern we see with successful people. It's a pattern that I think will serve you well within the context of your marriage as well. A last pattern that I think is very powerful that successful people all have is, is that they are action, action oriented, meaning that they favor action. The unfortunate reality of a lot of people is they do a lot of talking. They do a lot of good, you know, they're very good at daydreaming. They're very good at setting goals. They're very good at planning. They're very good at going to courses. They're very good at going to counseling. They're very good at keeping notes, keeping journals, you know, meditating, visualizing, all these things. But the one skill that is lacking, the one thing that is really powerful that will move them forward is action. Ultimately, at some point, you need to stop talking and you need to start doing you can go through coaching, you can go through counseling, you can you know, read all the marriage books that you want, you can go to every seminar that you, that you can afford, but at the end of the day, the only thing that is going to change your situation, that's going to help you create the relationship, the marriage that you want, is by taking action. You can't just talk your way out of it, you need to do your way out of it. So you have to take action. Successful people understand this, they don't just dream, but they do. Dreaming is important, having a vision, having beliefs, all those things are important, but it's always backed up by action. The same goes for our love lives. If you want to change old patterns, if you want to change old habits, if you want to change old mindsets and these things, you need to change it through action. You need to start doing new things. I love the saying from the leadership guru, Robin Sharma, who says it's easier to behave yourself into a new way of thinking than to think yourself into a new way of behaving. Sometimes you need to simply just strap it on and simply start behaving, start doing what needs to be done. Strap yourself in, be ready for the ride, and just go for it. You just need to do what needs to be done. The ancient Stoic philosopher Epictetus said, first decide the person you want to be, then do what needs to be done. I think that's a very, very cool saying, is that if you want a better result, you want to have a better uh, relationship, just, you know, strap yourself in, you know, put on your big boy pants, you know, strap, strap it on, and then ultimately do what needs to be done. Without action, there is no, there is no new, there's no new result, there is no new outcome. You can think about it, talk about it, but if you don't do anything new, you ain't going to get a new result. So guys, there are 11 patterns that we see with successful people that I think we as married couples can definitely benefit from, we can definitely uh, learn from, and we can definitely, you know, if we, if we were to adopt this into our relationships, 
we might actually benefit from it. So hopefully that served you. Hopefully you learned a lot from it and uh, and hopefully you can put some of it to use. So until we see each other next time again, as I always say, go live in love fully and take care of each other and we will talk to each other soon. See you guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of Marriage on Fire. If you found today's show helpful, please make sure to follow and share it with someone you think needs to hear this. Also, take a moment and head over to therelationshipguy.com connect with Gideon directly. Again, thanks for listening and make sure to tune in soon for our next episode of Marriage on Fire.